video. Um, hi, I'm Becky. I am co-founder and CEO of Tech Returners and your host for this afternoon. So while the global economy is taking a massive hit, digital platforms are seeing higher engagement rates. Facebook alone is seeing a 20% increase since April. There are many advantages of raising your personal brand from employability, thought leadership, company visibility and social selling. Your brand is constructed brick by brick through the content that makes an impression and everyone does have one. But the biggest challenge is where to start and how to understand what your brand is. Today we'll be hearing from four personal brand experts who will share their experience and more importantly their advice so you can take away and an action in a way that can support you as we move forward into a new world. So first of all I'm just going to um, let the panellists introduce, introduce themselves. So Penny would you like to start with you? Yes, hello everyone, good afternoon. I'm Penny Haslam and I've put a little rename on my Zoom tag there. So it says Penny Haslam Bit Famous. And not because I am a bit famous, although I have been on the television and the radio as a business journalist, so that was a few years ago. But because I help people become a little bit famous, not massively famous, not Kim Kardashian, we're not talking that, uh, but I want to avoid people being a best kept secret. So we help uh, figureheads of businesses, we help top teams become brand ambassadors, and we help emerging leaders or aspirational employees get known within their organization as well. Because none of us have our own personal publicists on hand, do we? I mean, do you? Uh, so I help people do that in a, in a way that's comfortable, in a way that they can showcase their expertise. So Bit Famous is the name of my business, and I'm a motivational speaker as well. So I. I used to go on stages talking about this stuff. Now it's Zoom, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the new world. Having. No, thank you. Uh, Vanessa? Um, so, Vanessa Vallely, famous in my own bathtub. Um, um, what do I do? I run We Are The City, which is a website to help women to access resources to drive their own careers. So lots of different bits of information, access to women's networks, events you can attend, inspirational stories of women that have kind of been there, seen it and done it, and men, uh, free to access. Aside from that, we do a number of things, awards, conferences, uh, got a suite of virtual webinars running at the moment, if anyone's interested. With my other hat on, um, like Penny, lots of public speaking, wrote a book called Heels of Steel, uh, sit on a couple of boards, do some talks in schools, um, married, two kids, two dogs, two cats. That's me. Not much then. <laughs> uh, Simon? To make sure I unmute. Um, yeah, my name is Simon Swan. I'm the founder and CEO of a business called Hiring Hub, uh, which is a marketplace that connects companies that are recruiting to an independent, well, to a network of independent uh, specialist recruitment agencies that work remotely to fill vacancies uh, faster than, than typically if you go direct to agencies. Um, yeah, I, I'm here, I think, uh, for diversity, looking at the panel. It's important to get the, the middle-aged white guy on here. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I suppose I, I do quite a lot on, on LinkedIn to promote the business. When we launched Hiring Hub, we had uh, zero budget for marketing and PR. Um, so we were trying to look at ways in which we could uh, get the the brand, the message out there. Um, and so doing it myself in my own way was really the only option that we had in those early days. So that's kind of developed over the years. It was something we started without even thinking about. 
Um, and now there's a bit more conscious thought that goes in behind it, but it's still very uh, relaxed, very informal, very authentic. So uh, it'll be interesting to hear, you know, from the rest of the panel today, because I think I'm still learning on this uh, on this journey. Brilliant, thank you. And Alex? Hi, uh, I'm Alexandra Galvez, also known as Authentic Alex on LinkedIn. Um, my brand um, is really around having built my own story, having left the corporate world and doing my own thing. Um, I'm also a LinkedIn top voice for the UK um, twice, and I've ba basically been building my um, brand on there for the last five years, really, um, and really snowballed in the last two to three. Um, I'm also the co-founder of LinkedIn Local, which is a networking movement that started off with four people around the world wanting to get people offline and meeting face-to-face -face and getting to know the people behind the profiles, and we grew that into 100 countries in over a thousand cities in under two years. So um, all that I do is helping people tell their story, find their purpose and grow their presence on LinkedIn. Brilliant, thank you. So we definitely do have four experts on this topic this afternoon. Um, so how the webinar is going to run, um, we're going to pose a number of questions to the panel. And then once we've gone through those questions, I will open the virtual floor and we'll take questions. Um, so if you can pop them in the chat or the Q&A, we'll get those to those at the end. So Penny, I'm going to start with yourself. So personal brand is really important and we all know that. But if you don't know yours, or maybe you're not quite feeling like you did before lockdown life, what would advice would you give to start discovering your own personal brand? Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because it's about your image, really. And that can cause a lot of discomfort for people because they don't really want to have an image. They don't want to be projecting somebody that they're not, perhaps. And they perhaps I don't understand how they might be able to how they might go about it comfortably, authentically, as Simon mentioned. And of course, authentic Alex mentioned there um, how they might do that that suits them well. So it can seem as positioning yourself as a bit of a show off. If you're going to be sorting out your personal brand then you're going to get out there you're going to be showing off well it's not it doesn't have to be like that at all and that's not going to last or feel good for you so i very much or strongly advise people find areas or topics or subjects or issues that they can stick with in order to talk about uh, and therefore develop their brand as someone who is knowledgeable experienced, uh, passionate about what they do. If you can stick to those narrow subjects, two or three topics to showcase your knowledge and experience and passion, then it kind of acts as a shield or an armor that can help people understand what you do and how you might help them. So I call it running for mayor. Uh, it's uh, from a, a chat I had with um, a, an entrepreneur who'd invented a chewing gum years ago. He, I said, oh, how are you going to get your chewing gum out there? Um, you know, have you not heard of Wrigley's and Kraft and Cadbury's and that massive market? That, but he didn't have a budget. He just had a, a chewing gum. And he started talking about the issues around the chewing gum, which was to do with artificial sweeteners and a low sugar diet, that sort of thing. So he gathered momentum identifying and showing himself as an expert on those topics rather than going, hey, look at me, I made, I made a gum, buy my gum. And we can do the same with our careers. You know, we don't have to go, hey, look at me. I've, I've sold some stuff or I've made some stuff or I'm really good at my job because uh, that's really challenging to keep repeating and banging the drum on. So have a think about what your areas of expertise might be 
and what you're what you're drawn to, what lights your face up when you talk about it, uh, what can you use to showcase your knowledge and experience and passion. It might take a little while to think about it, but someone did actually say the other day, she goes, oh, I did a talk at um, a law firm, it was a leadership talk about you know this kind of idea that you can showcase what you do um, through expertise. And she said, oh my goodness, it's like, um, it's like your armor, you know, rather than feeling like you have to do an elevator pitch, because that's not comfortable, is it? An elevator pitch. Uh, and so this is a way of doing that. And you can do it on LinkedIn and Twitter, and social media and in meetings and in emails and corridor conversations but you get known that way and I find that is one of the best ways of fashioning your own personal brand of that as an expert as that of an expert something like that Brilliant. so when people have found that sort of niche what yeah. would be the next sort of steps to go on that process stick with it um, be congruent I love that word congruent it sounds clever doesn't it but basically it means stick with the same stuff so uh, the other day I posted on LinkedIn about how oh, I was just feeling knackered and I realized that I lived on adrenaline and it was knackering me out basically and I, I shared a post about that and I occasionally share posts like that but it's not my area of expertise uh, there are loads of brilliant well-being coaches and experts who deal in that sort of stuff all day long but equally, I don't want to get known as talking about that. So I hold back on certain subjects and push other subjects to the front um, and center. Now, you don't have to um, necessarily be on LinkedIn all the time doing that. You can, you, do, you can create all sorts of your own media. You can do small videos. You can do little presentations. You can be part of networks and associations. That If you just keep um, in that sort of as a centerpiece of what you deal in. Because we're all passionate about lots of things. Um, we all have uh, views on a lot of things, as we've seen recently in the news, that everyone's got an opinion, haven't they, about everyone's suddenly in a, 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 a virus expert. Forgot the proper name for it. It's an epidemiologist. Words I never thought I'd ever know. But anyway, so yeah, we all think we're a virus expert. But, you know, that isn't your area of expertise, so don't showcase as such. So stick really heavily. A virologist, someone said on the chat panel. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So as I'm not an expert in that, I'm not going to talk about that. Stick with your subjects and keep peddling those, basically. You can, you can change them over time, but just think about what you want to get known for and then share it regularly. Brilliant. So you touched on certain types of media. So you touched on a little bit around videos, which we all know you're, uh, you're famous for helping people themselves on a smartphone <laughs> uh, what mediums and medias would you recommend um, in terms of once you've got your message out there to help promote yourself and promote yourself personal brand yeah well it's whatever works for you have a think about what might be best uh, a former client of mine uh, she started a new job and she's working at the Leeds City of Culture 2023. You know, it's three years away. She's immersing herself in her new role. And of course, is having to have lots and lots of conversations with different artists, different musicians, all sorts of different organizers, that sort of thing. And she's started um, a blog post on medium.com where she explains very much how she's going about her work, what she's learning each week. So it takes, you know, good few hours on a Saturday morning to just recap on the week's work. But that's one way of doing it for her, doing it that way and then sharing those links through social. 
So other people might want to think about um, in-house presentations or even speaking up at meetings. Now, this is something that, you know, you can shy away from. You get to the point where you go, yeah, yeah, I'm going to fashion myself as an expert. I'm going to talk about these subjects. Oh, what am I going to say? Uh, but, you know, there's loads of help on that available. So just think about how you might always stick to those, those areas. But the media is there for the taking. TV and radio, the traditional media, um, it hoovers up experts like you wouldn't believe. Uh, and those are the people who are on two or three, four, five minutes at a time, maybe longer. They're being interviewed as a commentator on the news. They're not part of it. And I think that's very important because when you are gathering your ideas about these topics, you want them to be relevant and to resonate with other people. And so if you can think about commenting on the news, now you might be able to do that on uh, the news channels or whatever, uh, or Radio 4, you might. But you can also use news articles to position yourself as an expert and newsjack is what I call newsjacking. So you take an article in the external world, it might be from the Huffington Post or the Harvard Business Review or the Times that day or whatever, that's in your sphere of expertise, comment on it because you're, you're the expert, you know what you're doing, you've got a view that the world needs to hear about. And that again helps build your profile as someone who knows what they're talking about, helps your personal brand identity. So yeah, you can create your own media, you might be able to take that idea and do a video about it. You might write a blog about it. Uh, you might go on Medium and write something more extended. Um, whatever it takes, do it. But don't do everything and don't wear yourself out thinking, oh, I've got to do everything. Just pick what suits you. It might be that your clients or your colleagues hang out on Facebook. Go there. It might be that you just want to do Twitter because it's more fun and up to date. I don't know. Just do a little experiment. See what engagement you get where. See who, who where your mates are, where the people like you are hanging out. Brilliant. And what's been one your biggest learning in when you're when you built your personal brand? You like Simon, you know, at the beginning in the early days, you don't have a vast marketing budget, you don't have a press office or a PR team, you can't buy in external agency stuff, so you really have to just get on with it yourself, don't you? And uh, you can find ways of doing that. Now, the biggest learning I had in all of this was to stop acting as though I am a corporation. So I did a video when I first set up my business about six years ago. I stood really close to the wall in my lounge and, and held a video camera up and went, hello, I'm Penny. I run a business. Please come to me. We do all sorts here at Penny Haslam. Uh, and my husband literally went, what, where have you gone? Where are you? Because as you can tell, I'm quite animated. I can be quite funny sometimes. I'm just like a human being, really, just normal. And um, so you kind of lose that in corporate speak and go a bit wooden. So the biggest thing for me was to sit down with a glass of red wine, get the video camera and kind of go, all right, you probably need to raise your profile, don't you? Well, I'm Penny, you know, so I became more chatty and more like myself, authentic. And it works. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you, Penny. And just to let you know, you have got a book, haven't you, Penny? I do. Yeah, <laughs> I, do. I wrote a book called Make Yourself a Little Bit Famous because... I'm an honest girl, I like to help, and in it is a massive chapter on media training, a massive chapter on how to take part in a panel or chair a panel, or how to speak at events and all that kind of thing, and all the tips that might go around that to help, I get this right, fan your flame of fame. 
even more. So <laughs> don't just do one post. Don't just speak at an event. Don't just go on a Zoom call. Talk about it. Tell people about it. Tell your bosses about it. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you, Penny. Thank you. So moving on to uh, Vanessa. So when it comes to discovering your personal brand, what journey did you take and what did you learn along the way? If I'm honest, I never gave it much thought at all. When I look back now to, so obviously at left school at 16, worked in nine different banks for 25 years. And when I look at that brand from a visual perspective, she's kind of scary, right? She's dressed like a bloke. Um, because that back to the point I thought that was the cloak that I needed to wear the armor of the environment if you like um, but so you know I wasn't my authentic self at all you know and um, even to the point of I got really I mean it's tied back today but I've got really naturally curly hair and years ago someone said to me you know you'll never get ahead with that hair you need to calm that hair down you know it's too wild so I used to straighten it and for the ladies on the call this was pre-GHD girls right those straighteners were not kind um, but I turned myself into something that I thought I needed to be to survive in that environment but it wasn't my authentic self and again I never really give much thought about that until I left corporate and kind of set up on my own and thought actually I'd like to be who I want to want to be it doesn't matter if my hair's curly it's what's going on in my head it doesn't matter about the suit that I wear or anything like that so that decision to be myself my authentic self was very much with my brand awakening if you like because I was like okay I was this individual in corporate don't get me wrong there were a lot of characteristics about me personally that were still the same but it is who is the entrepreneur what to, to a lot of penny's points what do they stand for what's my niche you know if i disappear tomorrow what do i want to be remembered for and a massive big component around how can i use my brand to help others you know because I, i'm a real big believer in rise as you kind of lift as you rise so how could i kind of take aspects of what other people were trying to do that perhaps weren't brave enough to tell their own stories and kind of use them, uh, use my channels to promote them, which if anyone kind of follows me on LinkedIn, you'll see I do a lot of sharing. There's probably 10 other people that I'm talking about versus one post on something that we might be doing, unless obviously I'm running like a big campaign for a conference or anything. But it was very much around my part of my brand is helping others to raise theirs through my channels. So it was that kind of awakening of, Whoever I'm going to be going forward, I need it to be the truest to myself that it possibly can be. Because you can't keep up that facade anyway. Mm. You know, trying to be someone, someone you're not. Yeah, so touching upon that, obviously you worked in the corporate sector for a period of time and then obviously transitioning to your own business. How did that feel? You know, can you remember in terms of that first post it had to put out representing yourself as a brand rather than being part of a large corporate brand? I remember my, so my business mentor, so my LinkedIn at the time looked like it had all my corporate expertise on it. And then it had a little bit about we are the city at the top. And it was like that probably for the best part of 18 months, because I couldn't let go of the brand, my corporate brand, because that's who I was. That's what opened doors of opportunity. That was, that's what I'd worked for, for like 25 years, you know, since I was, since I was little. Um, so I've, I really struggled with that. And it was my mentor who don't pull her punches at the best of times, but that's the, the arrangement we've got. She said to me, are you in or you out? She said, what are you? Are you a corporate girl that's hanging on just in case this don't work? 
or are you going to take yourself seriously and put yourself out there as kind of an entrepreneur? And it was really hard. I remember editing my LinkedIn profile and going through and removing all of these projects that I'd delivered with monetary values attached to them and big things that I was proud of. Moments where I'd almost sold my soul to the devil corporately to deliver that piece of work. They were six words, but they meant a hell of a lot to me. So to delete them off of my LinkedIn was like deleting pages of my history. It was a real challenging thing for me to do, but kind of going back to basics, keeping that corporate stuff there because obviously I need it in terms of kind of the work that I do now and it puts my connection to my customers but kind of building up on that on top of what happens now the more of the public speaking you know the more of the writing the more of the other things that I do building up a different story but that's taken me seven years mm. you know if you googled me before all that would come up before then is that I was a runner and a really bad one <laughs> finished when they was taking the bunting down and all the cakes were sold you know that was it that was it from a google search so kind of put a lot of effort into that because i think you know it's a penny's point it's important you've got to become comfortable being able to articulate what it is that that you want and you know what you're capable of contributing so times though <laughs> yeah when I was but yeah talking about being uncomfortable so when I was spoken to people about building their personal brand you know two words often crop up imposter syndrome um, and to, to, talking about confidence how have you felt around that phrase of imposter syndrome and how have you overcome that so I think that it never goes away right so it's always there and I think the important thing is to know that, and I don't think it's a men and I don't think it's a woman only thing. I think, you know, I've had many men come to me at the end of my session saying, you know, I recognize those, you know, the way that you describe imposter syndrome. I think it's something that, you know, sits on your shoulder that questions your decisions, that tells you that perhaps you don't deserve to be in the room or you don't know as well as much about things as, you know, other people that are there. And I think it's a case of keeping it in check. Every now and then I have to even, you know, to this day, I have to flick my own off my shoulder and saying, you're stopping me taking risks. You're stopping me putting myself out there because you're this little voice that's knocking my confidence and telling me that I can't do that. You know, and imposter syndrome surfaces in so many ways. You know, I say thinking that you're going to be found out, comparison to others. It is pointless. We all bring a different set of uniqueness. Constantly comparing yourself to others is such a waste of who you are. You know, the biggest place I see imposter syndrome surface is in people's language. You know, I think about teams that have run for, that have worked for me and I see it so many times. I'd congratulate someone on a piece of work and I'd say, oh, that was a fantastic piece of work that you did. And they were like, oh, it wasn't me. Right. And what they're doing is they're giving away what they've delivered. It was their follows the Oscar winning speech about it was this person and it was this person. OK, so you had nothing to do with that delivery whatsoever. So my biggest message is, you know, don't let that imposter syndrome surface in your language, because all you're doing is you're giving away messages about you know you're not giving away the right messages in terms of who you are what you're capable of and what you achieve so i would say just keep it in check no it's there we can't get rid of it in its entirety and to be honest sometimes i do think it keeps you a little bit humble it's just that little that little check of a voice you know in your head in case you you do get a little bit run away with yourself um but as i say i think it's it's just something to be mindful of that when you're talking yourself out of things which sometimes we do is that really you or is this imposter syndrome trying to wrap you in a bubble so that you don't move forward? Brilliant advice there. And just finishing from yourself on one other piece of advice. If people are coming off this webinar thinking, right, yes, and want to start building my personal brand, what's one thing that you would 
tell them to go and do? One. Completely during that question. Oh, so sorry. Not hear that question at all. No, no, no problem. I'll repeat it. So if people come off this webinar thinking, right, yes, this is it. I'm going to want to build up my personal brand. What's one thing that you would suggest to them to do first off? I mean, I'm going to leave it to Authentic Alex, right, on that. <laughs> because for me, the ultimate top tool for my line of business, say everyone's social media channel will be different. But where I talk to my customers, where I talk to my community has to be LinkedIn. And I think, you know, again, I'm sure Alex is going to cover some of this off, but just investing some time in your profile. You know, one of the biggest things that I say, again, I say I don't want to cut into any other area, but I so often read people's LinkedIn profiles where they talk about the organization that they work for. You know, my work for X bank, 60,000 employees, four geographies. That's great. I can go and find that out. I know your bank is. What they miss, the trick, is to actually talk about themselves, you know, and talk about what they do and add context to some of that, you know, around what their role is, what impact they have in the organisation. You know, think of it, it's their shop window. So absolutely, LinkedIn is the number one for me um, in terms of top tip, invest your time there. That's brilliant. Thank you very much for that, Vanessa. Uh, so moving on to Simon, um, so you touched upon it in your introduction around being a business leader and having to build your own brand right from the start. Um, your brand is tied to that of your business, whether you like it or not. How has your personal brand benefited your business over the period of time? I think, uh, yeah, if we go back to the beginning again, it, we had no choice. We, we genuinely we built we raised a little bit of money from family and friends to build Hyenhub, but it's a technology platform. So we invested all of that savings and, uh, and cash into building the actual platform and thought, right, done it, they'll come. And then of course, you know, press the on button one morning and uh, they didn't come. So we just had to kind of try and figure out ways to get what we were doing, you know, the message out there. And this was back in kind of mid 2011. And so we did all the, the normal traditional things you do without any cash, which was just some basic email marketing, some PR around entering awards. Um, and, and LinkedIn back then, I'm trying to think what LinkedIn was really like. Um, you know, the activity feed wasn't quite like it is today. Um, Twitter was, was, was reasonably good, kind to us at that, in those early days. And Twitter was the main platform, I think, for me back in those early days. Um, but it was what the content I was pushing out was very kind of hiring hub focused and it didn't it kind of had a shelf life and it and it fizzled away and that's when I think I moved more seriously towards LinkedIn again nothing conscious I wasn't doing this with any sort of real strategic plan behind it I was just trying to play and test and learn um, and, and LinkedIn became a much more relevant uh, platform and we started sharing more about you know, the, the work we were doing in building Hiring Hub rather than um, promoting, you know, or trying to promote, promote Hiring Hub. So it's very much about around, um, I mean, the, the key thing for us, we had a, we, so Hiring Hub, yeah, marketplace, employers on one side, recruitment agencies on the other. It's kind of like a trip advisor for the recruitment agency market. And we were trying to take, not take business, but trying to steal a bit of market share from the Michael Pages and the Pages of this world and redistribute those vacancies to an army of small independent uh, recruit, recruiters that work from home, a lot of them, um, because we thought they cared more and, and they owned their own businesses, so it meant more to them. Um, but I think when we launched, a lot of 
recruiters looked at Pine Hub quite you know, with scepticism and were unsure about where we we're going with this. Were we trying to drive down fees? You know, were we trying to commoditize the market? You know, what was our real intent? And I think what having a having a personal brand, I don't even like the I don't really like the term actually, but by going out and being uh, talking about hiring hub publicly and being myself, I think people were able to see the truth. The intent was to uh, kind of rebalance the industry and help the little guy and champion recruitment. You know, when a lot of people were, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot wrong with the recruitment market, but it's, you know, we had this core belief that it's not all recruitment agencies' fault. You know, there's some pretty bad employers out there as well that don't give great brief, briefs, don't pay on time, you know, spread the vacancies out too thinly. But it's like this reciprocal um, relationship of, uh, that was pulling the industry down and we wanted to promote good practice. We wanted to champion the small little guys. And the only way to get that message out without a million pounds a month to spend on brand marketing was to do it through channels like LinkedIn. And it, but it just took some time, I think, to find the, the platform itself, the medium, you know, whether was it video, was it writing, you know, voice podcasts is really interesting for us now. I mean, I'm very, I'm quite uncomfortable doing video. Um, I played around with it. And then I stopped doing it and I came back and I did one this morning, actually. It was the first one for about 18 months, probably. Um, I'm much more comfortable writing. Um, that's, you know, back in my previous job, that's kind of what I did. So um, I'd prefer to write, but I find we get more engagement if it's done over video. So, um, yeah. But again, it's something we talked, we talked about, imposter syndrome, you know, it's something that I'm not completely comfortable with comfortable with even still it's something that I do have to think about what we're going to push out and I put put a lot on myself to do it and there's a periods there's been periods in the business where um you know we've been going through challenges or I'm just exceptionally busy and it's all you know I put it on a shelf and uh, left it alone for months at a time you know three four months and not done anything and then come back to it and the good the good news is in doing that is you can do that um you know, if you've, if you've built up a bit of a community or an audience of people that you interact with, you know, on a platform like LinkedIn, you can disappear for two months, pop back in and rejoin and, and nobody really has noticed you've gone. So, uh, yeah, I put a lot less pressure on myself now to, to put things out there, but it is absolutely intrinsically linked to the business. I'm, I'm glad it is, you know, hiring hubs of a founder-led company. We're still, you know, small, still growing. I think it's important that I you know, share that uh, story with, with our users. And, and as we onboard new ones, it's important that there's a back catalogue now of, of videos and content that they can see, you know, so they know what we're all about. So it's, and, and the fact that this is free, the fact that you can do this, like I said, for the, you know, I've had some posts that have had reasonable engagement and the, the number of views that you can get on a platform like LinkedIn, if you were to buy, those engagements on a whether it's a social media platform or radio or TV advertising, and we've you know we've done radio advertising, so I've got a direct comparison um, in terms of lead generation, leads generated in customer acquisition, and you know hands down if if you can um, find a way to bring people to your business through your own brand and through the social platforms for free. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just an exceptional opportunity um, while it exists. Yeah, that's brilliant. A couple of questions off the back of that. You talked around, obviously, content. And I think there's all this controversy about what type of content should be on LinkedIn. 
Um, what's your opinion on the personal po post versus the professional post? I think it comes down again to authenticity. You know, the answer is I don't care. I think if, if you're putting out content that doesn't interest me, then I'm not going to watch it. If I'm putting out content that doesn't interest you, unfollow me, don't watch it. So I don't, I don't really care. You know, I did used to care. I used to think a lot about it because we had one bit of content, one video that did do particularly well. And then you're in this weird position that you want to repeat that and get that virality again and have the same um, impact. And I was sweating over every post, you know, what message, are we, what, what am I going to say? What are we going to do? Um, and then I remember sitting in the meeting room at Hiring Hub, we were having our Monday morning kind of management meeting. I thought, yeah, it must have been Monday morning. Um, and that weekend I'd been out on a bike ride and uh, bizarrely, I was going up a hill and I saw a badger, which is quite, you know, you don't see many badgers. So I pulled out my camera and videoed it and I, it started running and I'm on my bike, um, kind of following it, but from a safe social distance, uh, filming it. Um, and then it runs into someone's house and disappears. And in the morning, we're sat there thinking about, you know, what content we're going to push out this week if we got anything. And I, and I show people this funny video of a, of a badger running along. Um, and I wasn't going to put that on LinkedIn because I thought, well, that's not professional. That's not LinkedIn. You know, that's something for Facebook. Um, and Alex, one of the guys in the, in the team, said, ah, just put the badger video, video on it. You know, it's funny. Um, so I did. And it, it just went, it went crazy. Americans have not seen badges before. I think that was what the, uh, that's what I deduced from it. Because again, it, it you know, got thousands of likes. Um, it was shared loads of times, lots of, lots of comments. And it doesn't intrinsically link to the hiring hub brand, but what people do is they go, well, who's the guy that posted the badger video? They click on your profile. And like Vanessa said, if that profile is you, and it's a, a your story, and it's in your tone of voice, and people can relate to it and, and enjoy it, then they'll, they'll do the rest themselves. They'll figure out and they'll go from your post to your profile to your website and find, learn about your business. And the next time someone's talking about recruiting, they might say, hey, have you heard of that hiring hub thing? Not really sure what it is, but saw a buzzer video and it, it was funny, so have a look at it. And I think that's the, that's the kind of customer or the user journey that we kind of adopt. So again, it comes back to that LinkedIn profile. It's, it's super important because people are willing, if they like somebody or something or a comment or an opinion, they'll have a look at who you are and, and, yeah. and try and suss you out. And then by doing that, they'll have a look at you know, the business that you work for and form an opinion on that business based on you. So that's the danger, I suppose. You have to make sure that you're very comfortable. And I'm fortunate in that it's, it's, my, it's my business. So if I mess up, then... You know, I've messed up. I suppose it's, it's a slightly different dynamic if you're an employee of a company and you go and put a badger video on LinkedIn and it doesn't go so well or people have a, a different opinion. You, you wouldn't want that to, um, you know, to damage your brand. And I think someone mentioned the word earlier, risk. Um, and I've never really considered it being a huge risk. But, I, but there is that dynamic at play, I think, when you're pushing content out yourself. Um, there's always that risk that if people don't like it, it damages not just your personal brand, but also your, your company's brand too. Yeah, and just moving up a bit further onto that point, um, and talking about caring and what other people think, 
one of the things that people are reluctant of is in terms of putting something there onto LinkedIn and getting criticized for it or a negative comment. Have you experienced that? And what sort of advice uh, would you give to others if that happens? Yeah, yeah, I have experienced it. And I think oh, advice, I, I just think you have to, it's really easy to say, well, don't, don't read them, don't take it to heart. It's funny, you could have, you know, you could have 200 positive comments and you could have two or three negative ones and it's the negative ones that you, you, you see <laughs> and the ones that you remember. Um, I, but I, I, I feel like I've got a good, uh, you know, I'm resilient to it. I, I just don't really um, take too much time to worry. I think if there's more than a few, then maybe that it's, it's real-time feedback and you should take it on board and do something different next time. Um, but if it is just general negativity, then um, yeah, I tend to tend to just ignore them. But it does eat away. I don't. I don't have any advice with really. it. I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't. You know, I read them, and it does. I say upset me. It annoys me. Um, but I move on and on to the next post. Unless there's something to, that I genuinely think, you know, I can take something from that. I, sh mm. I probably shouldn't have done it. I mean, I, I did a post once where I got up, at, and I did it. I did it for the camera. Really. I got up at five in the morning, went for a bike ride, and then did a post saying, "Oh, isn't that great? You get out on your bike before work, start your day right, get into Manchester." And yeah, a few people sort of came at me on that, and I thought they had a point really. <laughs> it was it was fair. I was fair game. So um, yeah, I think. Uh, you learn what you can from it, but don't take it to heart if they're just genuinely negative people just trolling you. Brilliant, thank you. Um, and moving on to um, yourself, Alex. So we know that personal brand is made up of your values and what you believe. Um, with all that into the mix, what advice would you give for remaining authentic? Uh, well, really, it comes down to your, exactly what you said, your values and knowing what those values are, you know, what are the things that you can't live without that are really the core fundamentals of uh, who you are and the work that you do, um, because it may be that you kind of um, fall off the kind of path that you're on but in terms of authenticity and coming close to authenticity but your values bring you back to that and authenticity isn't really like I switch it on and I'm authentic and you know that's all I have to do it really is a practice and something that you have to kind of continually think about um, and I think something else to say is that going back to, to some of the different comments that the, the other speakers have mentioned it's there is that risk of a troll there is that risk of someone saying the wrong thing and it's being willing to put yourself out there knowing that there might be that risk of someone saying something bad or saying something wrong and uh, you know that's difficult for a lot of people there's a lot of fear of judgment there's a lot of fear of being criticized uh, fear of being saying the wrong thing so a lot of uh, when i work with clients a lot of it's taken away that fear first before going on that journey to kind of grow in their presence. So you've talked about being um, your experiences with LinkedIn um, mm -hmm. and being one of the top five, did you say? Uh, yeah, LinkedIn top voice. Voice, voice. So you must have ample 
amounts of tips and advice for people on starting off in this journey. Have you got something that you could share with people for today? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that for me, um, it goes back to what Vanessa was saying in terms of the profile. Um, I tend to call what you see at the top of when you go on someone's LinkedIn profile on a desktop, you see their banner, you see their profile photo, and then you see their headline and the first two sentences of their summary. I call that your shop window. So if someone is looking to buy a, for example, let's just say you're walking down a high street, you're looking to buy these gorgeous pair of red heels, you're looking at this shop window, you finally find them, you're excited, but then you look inside, the shop assistant looks grumpy, um, there's some dead flowers in the windowsill, and the paint's falling off, and you're like, mm, do I want to go in there? And then you see the same pair of shoes, and then you go, oh, actually, those might even be nicer. Um, and you think, look, there's some fresh lick of paint, the shop assistant looks happy and pleased which shop do you think you're going to go into and this is how you have to think about your linkedin profile and that first section because unless that's attractive not just visually but also in terms of what you're saying people aren't going to scroll down to read the rest of your story and your experiences so it's really about making it visually attractive and the thing is at the end of the day whatever it is that you offer, there are hundreds of thousands of millions of people that offer it too. So this is like, how can you stand out from the crowd and differentiate yourself from the rest? Um, again, not just visually, but also in what you're saying. So for me, a big thing is really how you position yourself on your profile and the fact that you've got stuff in there. Because uh, very often I come across stuff that's empty or you know someone's just shoved a bunch of keywords in the summary thinking that that's going to attract people um, or there's nothing there at all. And it's like, well, that's such a missed opportunity. And it's not about what you do. It's really about who you are and why should people buy into your story. So when I work on someone's sort of profile summary, for example, for me, it's all about helping people tell their career story, their career journey, and less about, you know, this is what, you know, I, the experiences I've had, because that comes after. So for me, a lot of it is concentrating on that first part, because if you can't get that right, um, and if you're creating great content and people are coming to your profile and it looks crap, <laughs> what mm -hmm. message is that sending? Yeah. Totally agree. So what's your routine with LinkedIn? How often are you on it in a day? How many posts do you put out? How do you build your connections? Um, so when I first started, I was on there quite regularly. Um, I stopped being on there for about the last one to two years. I've kind of stepped away from it as much as I used to, um, partly for personal reasons of wanting to take time off um, being online so much, especially that it is uh, what I do for a living. Um, but also I think that it's important to really, it's important to put, be consistent. It's important to put yourself out there, but it's also important to know when to step back. And I think a lot of people go into a little bit of burnout mode when they're doing it on a regular basis, if they don't have someone else managing it. Um, so it's, doing what works for you. So when I work with clients, I set them, I get them to set their own targets of what's achievable in terms of one article a month, one post a week, one video a week, and then they're accountable to themselves. And, and then trying to kind of have that consistency so people know when to expect, oh, on Monday, she shares a video. Uh, on Friday, she's live on LinkedIn. Um, and it just gives some structure and consistency. 
Um, but I would just say, um, you know, consistency and visibility go hand in hand and being doing that on a regular basis is important. But it's also important to know when to kind of take a break and a breather. And a great way of doing that that was mentioned is sharing third party content. So someone else's piece of content. Um, I think it was Penny that was talking about um, news jacking, which you can basically, you know, comment on someone else's piece and share it. And it kind of gives you a breather of not having to be the person to create content from scratch all the time yeah and touching upon that topic of content um so i would say i'm quite a regular user of linkedin um i could post something that i think oh that's going to get loads of engagement loads of interaction and it doesn't it just goes nose nose drives and then there's something else that i can pop pot on there like i asked a simple question yesterday that's got high engagement and loads of comments what's the sort of theory behind types of comments in terms of content that gets more traction on linkedin uh well questions always good but for me my favorite piece of content and you i think you are simon this is it should it be personal or should it be professional personal pieces of content do the best on linkedin hands down like there is no question about it and people find like a very often like oh no i can't possibly put that out there because it's to do with my personal life and this is a professional platform and honestly like if people looked at the kind of content that I share I have shared some of the I do a lot around sort of stigma smashing uh, so I've talked about my own personal stories about having depression in the city more recently a miscarriage um, bullying uh, you know in my childhood and these are things that you'd normally never talk about on LinkedIn and yet all my visibility has been built off the back of sharing my own story now what's really interesting is that for a living I teach people how to grow their presence on LinkedIn but you will never ever see me talk about what's LinkedIn's latest feature, what you should be doing LinkedIn marketing wise. That's not what I do. I share who I am, um, just as the, the other speakers were saying, and then people buy into me. They feel like they know me, they feel like they like me, they feel like they trust me. And again, if you're looking for building relationships and sales, that's how it's done. What they'll then do, what Simon was saying, is they'll then go to your profile, they'll look at who you are, they'll read your story, they'll buy into you even more, and then they'll see what you do for a living and then they'll get in touch. Brilliant, thank you. I'm going to open up the uh, virtual floor now. So I'm sure that a lot of people have got some questions. Um, so I'm just going to give a couple of minutes to people typing away. Um, while I let people answer, ask the questions, just a couple of things from me. Um, Vanessa is very kindly on the call today. So Vanessa kindly donated um, 10 tickets to uh, we are tech city virtual conference which is happening in june so from each one of these um webinars that we do we pick one person at random who receives a free ticket um, and the winner today is olga cappuccini i hope i've said your surname right and um, if you can contact us to claim your free ticket and thank you very much i can publicly thank you on here vanessa for those free tickets um, our next webinar is on tuesday and we're going to be talking about the world of work and is it over for the nine to five. So just go back to the questions. Question that's come in. Can a personal brand be mentored or coach? For example, can someone help you to unlock your own brand when giving it a target topic to discuss? Would anyone like to take that? Vanessa? I think it's good to have, if you're kind of endeavouring to raise your brand, I think it's always good to have somebody that can give you some feedback of how you're coming across online. 
because you know sometimes as, as well you can get a little bit carried away to you know Alex's point over posting and, and kind of stuff like that but if you've got a particular message that you're trying to get across or whether it's a particular line of expertise that you're trying to be known for you know ways of kind of doing that to just have someone just to give you a little bit of feedback to say you know maybe you could have honed that message a little bit more if you would have added that video or if you'd have you know I think that is really really helpful um you know especially when you're first starting out until you know what your message is you'll certainly know if you was about to post something that is completely out of the norm you know why would you be talking about that it'd be like me going onto LinkedIn and talking about double glazing people would go what's that about you know um so I definitely think to have someone to help you, I don't know if it's mentored or coaching is the right term for it, but um, I definitely think, yeah, someone can help you by spotting it out. It's probably what Penny does, yeah? Penny, is that the sort of thing you do? Yeah, I coach this with people, figureheads of businesses, individuals or teams of people, and I, I really enjoy watching them fly and, you know, fly the nest sort of thing. Um, and a proper coach will ask you questions to help you with the answers that you have inside you anyway. But quite often we can get in a bit of a tangle in our own heads about what we think we should be doing, or we get a bit excited about something that's a bit shiny and we go, All right, we'll go and do that. And we can really get tired from that and a bit thinly spread and it's not as potent or as powerful as actually having a strategy about it and something that you can always come back to. So for example, a colleague, a client of mine rang me yesterday who's started a new Facebook group and it's growing and it's fantastic, but it's not her core business. And she rang me about getting publicity for it and promoting it. And I just simply asked her why she'd want to do that. What's her end game? I mean, it's going to be fun and it's going to be exciting and impactful, but there's no monetizing of that. And there's no uh, real strategy about that. And it might be that she'll get known for that rather than her core business, which is something entirely different, actually. So she went, right, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to carry on sort of hobbying with this. And that's good. Now I know that. So, um, yeah, asking questions is all part of those conversations. And you can knock ideas about with all sorts of friendly people, friendly colleagues, friends, family, about what you are passionate about, basically. I mean, you can't have messaging on stuff. You can't put your own personal, authentic brand out there unless you have passion for it and believe in the, the basics of why you're doing it. Brilliant. Thank you. And next question, how do you sustain authenticity in situations where your personal brand is perceived negatively by company leadership uh, due to a bias? No one want to take that? There's a quick answer to this, isn't there? Which is develop a Teflon skin. And as that famous book that was out a couple of years ago suggested, run out of to give. Beep, to give. <laughs> And get a different job. That's the short yeah. answer. Yeah, that is. I think that's the thing with a personal. <laughs> yeah, I think with a with a personal brand, that's it. If you're feeling that way, then you're probably working for the wrong company. Mm -hmm. But by having a and developing your own brand, the company that you're probably right for might find you anyway, um, and come to you. So it's be cautious, but it shouldn't really prevent you. I don't think it's. Uh, it's one of those, I think, the longer term play there is to actually develop your brand and find the right home. Yeah. It's quite hard though. It's easy to say to someone, you know, and again, it's not to, to challenge when I tell you, but, you know, some people just don't have that thick skin. And, and exactly, yeah. 
perception rules reality, right? So if you've picked up some brand elements in your place of work and you're finding them hard to shift it because people, we're visual, right? As I say in my kind of, um, my talks about brand, it's about, you know, what people see, you know, we make up our minds seven seconds after meeting someone, what, what they're about and stuff like that. And sometimes those perceptions are very difficult to shift, you know? So if somebody's got an opinion of you, especially if they're in a position of power, they will unconscious bias. Absolutely. But they, they will articulate those opinions and it becomes set in stone that that's part of your brand. And that's the unfair part because you can't unpick that if characteristics of your brand are being mandated in rooms that you're not in and it creates a perception and it creates a reality you know and I say you know there's certain things that I think you know to your point maybe you're working for the wrong firm you know maybe where you go somewhere you want to think about who turns up you know I know in my big jobs I used to go away for about a week before I started a new job and thinking okay bring in bits of my authentic self but who's turning up in this job you know is it and I'm completely transparent is it a leader years ago that thought the way to kind of buy you know, into your teams and stuff, take them out for drinks and stuff like that. But then in this new job, do I want to see as the leader that's always at the pub with their team? Do, do you see what I mean? So it is this, this visual behaviours that speak absolute volumes. And I believe you can be a leader long before you run a team. It's about the behaviour you exhibit. But my advice to that particular person is if you don't feel you're getting anywhere with it or the people of power are wielding their power to embed these brand elements that you've got, then obviously, you know, in better times, look for another job. Brilliant, thank you. Um, and a topic that we did not really covered, but someone's asked about tips for building your personal brand within the workplace. Yeah, I'll take that for a, for a moment. I think that comes down to you know, similar to what Vanessa was saying around behaviour. You know, you don't have to have a uh, you know to to be a leader within a workplace. You don't have to have a job title um or a promotion you can just it's just the way you behave the way you act you know we've got many leaders at hiring hub um and it's fantastic to see you know there's somebody that owns a business to watch people flourish um and develop themselves in, into those types of roles um it's, it's just incredible so it's all about your behavior you just have to start doing it you know really the thing is the question right at the beginning was where do you start you start simply by starting and a lot of these things you know i think a few of us have said we didn't really give it too much conscious thought when we started and then we've iterated things we've learned we've changed i think just by by doing um it's a bigger deal that's the catalyst than anything but yeah it's your behavior um also actions that you can take within an organization if, it, if it's a vast organization you can feel very lost and very similar to others especially if there's a culture like when I was at the BBC years ago uh, there was a culture of well you're just lucky to be working here so you know get on with it um, and feeling like a bit of a show-off uh, to do anything differently um, but it is important if you're going to be developing a business uh, or if you are looking for your next role or you're looking to work on projects that are really suitable for you and can help put you front and center and learn new skills that sort of thing but actually building your personal brand within a within a workplace is all about building that network isn't it and building cross going across silos to find people who you just want to hang out with a bit you know just be curious phone them up say have you got five minutes i just want to find out how you led that project or why that was successful or what your main challenges were people love spending time people i've seen success get great success within their careers have been people who've sought out others and asked them questions 
just be curious and make connections and then you become memorable. Sorry, so go on Alex, I'll add it off to you. No, what I was about to add is that for those that are already doing that and want to go beyond that, it's also starting initiatives. Um, is a great way of increasing your personal brand that's beyond what you do nine to five um, because instantly that brings people together whatever it is that you're doing in terms of working with other people but it shows people that you are doing something beyond your nine to five and that's a really kind of quick way of doing that and I'd concur with that as well like when we look for people for our rising star awards one of the first things we look at is what extracurricular activities individuals are doing and how they're giving back. Just on the behaviours point, just to, just two things to add. You know, I remember a young girl that worked for me um, in, in my team and she was a leader. You know, she was only in her early 20s, but the way that I saw the leadership in her is her ability to, string, to think strategically. She, never, she always saw the bigger picture. She removed the emotion from some of her decisions. You know, she didn't get involved with the politics or the water cooler kind of bitching that was going on or stuff like that. So even at such a young age, you could see she had those characteristics in the way that she carried herself and stuff like that. So th this goes back to my point. I don't think you know, regardless of your age and, and to what Simon said, whether you've got a big old job title or you run a team of 100, you know, you can be just starting out and you can have those leadership qualities and you exhibit them in front of the right people. But keeping that consistent throughout whoever you're around, you know, that stuff shines. Brilliant. Just time for one quick, quick one. Um, how can you approach your personal brand when you're totally new into a new industry? Um, I can go with that one. Um, what I would say straight away is asking questions. So um, I can't remember which speaker said that, uh, or actually it was you, um, that said that you'd asked a question on LinkedIn and there were so many people like, you know, commenting, asking questions and asking for help, even though like asking for help is something that's so hard for so many people to do. But you would be so surprised how many people want to jump to help. Um, so there's not just the fact that people are going to answer questions, but you will get other experts in that area that are going to share their expertise. And again, if that is in the context of LinkedIn, you will become visible to other people within that, those networks of those experts. And that's a great way of expanding your network within that expertise. So for me, like asking for help. Uh, or asking about a certain thing that you are learning or sharing your learning, you know, that's a great, another great way of doing that. Share what you are learning, adding, and then you're adding value to other people that might be interested in that area as well. Yeah, very much part of digital transformation culture is to share your learning. Why not approach and apply that to yourself if you are in a new sector, a new industry, if you're moving into tech, um, share your journey. Belong to networks, and then once you're comfortable there, offer to speak at the network or become part of the committee that runs it. You know, it's all about advancing slowly and comfortably and building people around you who know you and you know them. And then before you know it, you're famous a little mm -hmm. bit. Famous. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm really sorry I didn't get to everybody's um, questions. Someone's actually asked if we could just extend the webinar for a bit longer. <laughs> Um, just quickly before we go, um, just like to ask all our panelists for our series, what's one thing that you've either learnt or experienced um, during the lockdown? I'll start with Penny. Okay, 
I, he's a bit old hand, a bit old hat. Everyone goes, it's find your why. Find your why. I watched the Simon Sinek TEDx talk. It's amazing. And yeah, it is. And I watched it years ago. And I went, yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I watched it recently during lockdown. I went, oh, he's slightly genius in this. It's about if you can express why you do what you do, then you're more likely to be more attractive, uh, resonate with people, relate to people, rather than just saying how you deliver it. So why you do what you do. I'm passionate about people's profile because I never had one. I struggled so hard when I worked in a big organization. I didn't know what to do. And so now I'm really like, I know that other people can be out there and visible as role models and showing diversity and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, let's get people out there. Not just the big character at the top of the business, not just the, the culture of figurehead or the, the big cast, the shadow that's cast by a big figurehead. Let's get everyone out there. So uh, yeah, that's what I learned is go back to why. I hate that, but it is good. Brilliant. <laughs> Simon? Um, I think mine's mine's, more, mine's a practical one on working from home, because when when all this when lockdown first, I mean we we actually went to remote working probably a week and a half before lockdown, uh, thinking it was the right you know had a consensus decision with the team we thought it was the right thing to do we all went home, picked up our laptops and literally like here here I am, um, and I think for the first few weeks I was doing. Uh, really long hours and I was really struggling to find that divide between this little room here the rest of the house and my person you know my family life with the wife and children etc uh, and there was no physical barrier anymore there was no commute on the train home um, so I, I suppose I, str I str struggled to switch off I just took my laptop up from here had some food carried on working all evening um, Alcohol is, is not the answer. You, <laughs> I started using that self-medication to try and relax myself in the evenings when I was still wired and wanted to work. And now I just take myself for a little 10 minute walk around the block at like half six, quarter seven, and to try and physically separate work from, you know, come home, help back, you know, get the kids into bed, etc. have an evening. You're walking home so, from work by doing that, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm just, just walking, it's, it's exactly the same principle, but I've, I've just learned that it, it just, or a quick bike ride or something, it just breaks up that work from home and I'm a better person in the evening. I'm still taking my laptop and doing, you know, emails and logging back in in the evenings, but it's just that uh, division is clearer now. I thought you were going to say, I'm still self-medicating, but... <laughs> well, no, I've learned there, no, midweek drinking doesn't suit me. I'm trying to keep it Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Vanessa? <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I'm so with Simon. I've done exactly the same thing. I think my biggest thing is, um, this is all new to every single one of us and everyone has different coping strategies. So don't beat yourself up. You know, there might be days where I do, you know, I'm going to call it doing a Simon now where I kind of work all day and into the night. And I spent the first few weeks like that, realizing it, you know, again, I had no delineation in terms of when the working day ended I too kind of you know had the odd week wine and stuff like that and we, we normally I don't drink in the week so there was lots of kind of learning but I kind of I, I foolishly set up this list on my reminders on my phone which normally reminds me to take a tablet every day but I set up this list of things I want to achieve every day right so I've got to walk the dog I've got to water the garden I've got to take this tablet I've got to do some work I've got to check in with each parent and there'd be some days where I was looking and I'm a big list person, but I was looking at that thinking, oh, I failed because I've not ticked everything on my bot in, in my list. 
And then I thought, well, this is nuts because there might be some day, not that I forget to call my parents, but they're going to call me. Um, that there may be some days where maybe the garden didn't get watered or stuff like that. But I can't beat myself up about it. So, and I think having conversations with lots of members of my own community, just not being so hard on myself and not again goes back to this point about com comparison not everyone's got it nailed mm. do you know what I mean so I think I think that's it every day as it comes the world is shifting we're shifting you know minding your mental health and kind of where that's taking you but definitely don't beat yourself up look at what you've achieved not what you've achieved. yeah yeah definitely and Alex um, for me, it's really been about reconnecting with my creative side. Um, I, it's something that I, ever since I was little, I loved painting and writing and reading and all sorts of things. And uh, in the kind of day to day of work pre coronavirus, I just never found time for it. And then I just put, you know, I like a block of time into my um, kind of week to sit down and creative write and I'm in a, I've set up a creative writing group with some friends I'm painting and what I've realized is the impact it's had on the rest of my work I am more innovative I'm more creative I'm you know I they're creating different things it has an influence not just that but also like with mindfulness and taking a break and a breather and letting your mind wander like we don't do a lot of things that just let our mind wander whether that's going out for a walk or picking a pen and a paper and for me, that's been a real big kind of like wake up of like, actually, I need to have this regularly in my life post coronavirus. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for all the panelists. It's been a really great chat. Loads of people are commenting and loads of questions and etc. So thank you for all your advice. Um, yeah, and yes, we'll see you next time. I've got this